0: Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Sorry for no episode yesterday, just really busy. I was actually really busy as well today, so I was like back-to-back days, but I'm managing to squeeze in an episode here so, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Frank Vogel signing, however you say his name, Frank Vogel, kind of go a little uh, deeper into um, the who this guy is, because I think a lot of people go like, oh, Frank Vogel, but no one really knows who he is. He's head coach before, we're going to get into that, along with Jason and how I personally feel about that. And then we're going to talk about the Bruins game because I didn't get to – it would have been on yesterday's episode, but since I didn't have an episode yesterday, I'll share my opinion today. I know it's a little late, but for those of you who really like to hear my opinion, uh, I'm going to give it to you. And then I'm going to give you my opinion on today's uh, Red Sox game. Great start by Rick Porcello. Great bounce back win for the Red Sox. So we're going to get to all of that, starting with the Frank Vogel signing now. All right, how I just said Vogel was just – Whatever. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, the hot name in the NBA right now, um, Frank Vogel. That's how I'm assuming I'm going to say it. If I'm wrong, I am wrong, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, he obviously just signed with the Lakers, but he has been head coach for the Indiana Pacers and Orlando Magic. Um, He's been the assistant coach uh, for the Pacers before he was the head coach. He's also been assistant coach for the 76ers and the Celtics. Um he um started his assistant coach actually is the head video coordinator for the Boston Celtics under head coach Rick Pitino. That as a Celtics fan that was one of our darkest uh, days, if you will. We had success all through the night uh, throughout the 19th century or if you consider 20th century, you know what I'm talking about the Michael Jordan century. When he played. No, actually, it's bad. Larry Bird century. Like, not this century. The century before. Whether you consider that 19th or 20th. You get my point. He... That was... Um, we really didn't have any struggles until late in that century. into those Rick Pitino days were our worst of worst days. And we had a few bad years uh, before. But at least, you know, we were rebuilding. I, I, I don't know how to put it this, but... He, Who cares? He was just the head video coordinator in our dark days of Boston. But anyway, that's how we started out. Just the head video coordinator. Um, He retained that position for five years, and then eventually he's promoted to assistant coach. Uh, That's just hard work. Pays off. I don't know how you're the head video coordinator, um, and then after five years you become the assistant coach. Don't get me wrong. If you were with the team five years, you know, that's pretty good. But you're the head video coordinator. Like, what is You got my point. Uh, After coaching with Boston, Vogel went on to become the assistant for the Philadelphia 76ers. And then after that, he went to the Los Angeles Lakers from 2005 to 2006 to become their advanced scout. And then he went to the Wizards the next year, 2006 to 2007. So he went from assistant coach. He stepped down from being an assistant coach to being an uh, advanced scout. So, obviously, Vogel has some experience scouting, uh, which could come in handy with that Lakers lottery pick. But I, I don't think that, you know, maybe scouting, you know, what stars would work well with LeBron or some role players. But, again, for those people who didn't know this, that's a key part. He's technically part of the Laker family. You were the advanced scout for one year. I don't know how much that counts. Usually when we think Laker family, we think former players that were like studs. Or at least, you know, solid players that were, you know, noticeable. But no one should know Vogel. If you know Vogel, Vogel, however you want to say it, don't criticize me, um, was the advanced scout for the Los Angeles Lakers in 05-06, just off the top of your head. I, I, you know, kudos to you. I mean, unless you just, for some reason, study Frank. Vo- anyway, um, but one year, I mean, there's technically something there. He's been with the organization, and they moved on to the Wizards. Uh, then, eventually, he became the assistant coach for the Indiana Pacers uh, under former Celtics colleague Jim O'Brien. So, that was uh he used to work with Jim O'Brien and then they they met up again and he was the assistant coach under Jim so obviously they kind of liked each other cuz Jim O'Brien had a say in um putting Vogel on that coaching staff alongside him so then O'Brien was fired from his head coaching position and Vogel's named interim coach um, and as the interim coach, Vogel actually did a good job leading the Pacers to the playoffs for the first time since 06. And Vogel was officially named as the Pacers' head coach on July 6, 2011. So that was kind of when his assistant coaching days ended. And all of a sudden, that first year in Indiana, he was the interim head coach. And the thing I don't like about this is he came into coach for the last 38 games of the season and went twenty and eighteen. So the thing I don't like about this is, did he really lead them to the playoffs? Now, a little over five hundred's usually gonna get you in the playoffs, unless you're in the West these past few years. But back then, yes, that's gonna get you in the playoffs. Twenty and eighteen, and they sure they lost in the first round, but that, that that's all right. I mean. He went, uh, he, they lost 4-1 uh, to one in that first-round series. Um, but, no, he, you know, he did, you know, the Pacers weren't a really a threat going that season. So, did he really lead them? No. So, I don't like the way that's worded there. But, seriously, 38 games, 2018, not bad. So, then he's named the official head uh, coach for the next 66 games of the 2011-2012 season. And he went 42-24. and That is a winning percentage of six thirty six. And he went on to lose in the conference semifinals, going overall 6-5 and five in the playoffs, which I'd say is a little underachieving, definitely. Um, but, you know, the Pacers are really starting to find their ground. Uh, this was a, a little before they got Paul George and Kawhi, that whole thing, trade Kawhi. But Danny Grange is really starting to evolve uh, into the, a good scorer. And then they've been second in the Central these past two years. And then the next season he comes back, 81 games. They go 49-32. So with the winning uh, percentage of 605, so technically a little worse than last year. But when it matters the most, the playoffs, they were better. When they lost in the conference semifinals, uh, conference finals. So they every year vocal uh, coaches first round exit. Then they move on around second round exit, third round exit. So you know. He's been doing good. Uh, a little bit of a dip regular season. But still had a very good year and came into the playoffs. And the experience paid off to get him an extra round. Uh, they always kind of underachieved in the playoffs. Uh, first year. 526 win percentage in the playoffs. It was a 201 percentage. Second year, 636 win percentage, 545 win percentage in the playoffs. And third year, 605 winning percentage in the regular season, 579 in the playoffs. So obviously things get a little tougher, and that should happen for almost any team. But, you know, you should stay relatively. like Some of those are just, you know, I thought he could have been a little better in the playoffs, but it's all right. Then the next year, he underachieved as well. They had a 6.83 win percentage. They were really good. But he only went 5.26 in the playoffs, which is still good enough to give them conference finals. But they lost. Then all of a sudden, the Indiana Pacers just dipped. Let me tell you that. The Danny Granger days, kind of over. And the Pacers kind of prime years. Had a had a little nice run there under Vogel, uh, if you will, where they went 4.63. Winning percentage, finishing 38-44 and 44 and missing the playoffs. And at this point now, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, that was a big dip. It was. And this kind of puts Vogel on the hot seat a little uh, bit for sure. But he comes in the next year and brings them back to the playoffs. They go 45-37 and 37 and definitely uh, take that step from, you know, missing the playoffs by a little to making the playoffs by a little. And that kind of takes him off the hot seat a little bit. I believe it has to. Uh, I think it would, but it didn't. He ended up getting fired anyway. Personally, if I have a better season than last season, it just happens sometimes in the NBA. I mean, they were definitely in the decline. He wasn't doing a great job at this point, but they lost in the first round that uh, season anyway. And then he went on to become the head coach at in Orlando. Um, and there he, I believe... From what this told me, all right, so basically, May 20th, 2016, Vogels named the head coach of the Orlando Magic. And in that first season, he went 29-53, fifth in his division, misses the playoffs. And then the next year, they go 25-57. and uh, This was last season, and they were fifth in the Southeast, and he just gets fired. So at that point, I don't blame them. Uh, he came in and absolutely did a horrible, horrible job, and he didn't coach this year, so this was kind of the year off of Vogel to regroup, and now he's taking a big, big job. So that's my kind of lowdown on him. I, You know, maybe you didn't really enjoy that uh, too much just because I was reading statistics off, but I'm just going to give him the facts. Uh, you know, if you want to skip it, you could and got to the, the part that you want in this episode, but I hope you don't do that. I hope you like everything I say. I highly doubt that. I mean, that's... That would be very impressive. But, no, I'm just trying to give you the lowdown on this guy. Maybe you, you know, wanted – maybe you dived in as well. But I figured instead of you guys doing the research, if you're a little lazy, maybe you're not lazy. But I figured I'd just tell it to you for you guys as well. But, anyway, him plus Jason Kidd. I'm not a huge fan of Kidd as a coach. Saw with you with the Bucks last year. Like, them with Or I get it. They, you know, Middleton got much better. Kumpo took a huge step. But, and the team got even deeper. Like, this roster's definitely better than last year's, but kids struggled and needed to be fired. Overall, uh, Frank Vogel, it's an okay signing. I thought there could have been better ones. I was glad they technically somewhat reached out of the Laker tree because, you know, if you're the advanced scout for one year, you you know, does that really count? So, you know, that somewhat counts. So, technically, they got someone with some sort of Laker DNA, but not much. It's like, you know, if you're, let's say you do Ancestry.com. I don't know where this came from, but, and you're like 1% Latin. Are you really Latin? No, but you're 1%, so you're technically, that's basically vocal. You're the advanced scout for one year. Congratulations back in the early um, 2000s. So, you know, congrats. But no, that's just a little lowdown on him. I'm not a huge fan of this signing. Uh, He had some good, you know, it it just depends. What is he going to do with this group? So he obviously has the scouting background, so maybe he could scout the right players. I mean, I could scout the right players for this team, 3 and D. 3 and D role players. Obviously, the stars, yes, but role player-wise, if the scouting's going to help, yes, just get 3 and D players. Don't make it complicated. That's literally what you need with LeBron, and this team was constructed horribly, so he has a little bit of a scouting background, but obviously he was great in Indiana to start his career, and then... Since 2014-2015, he really has not been able to coach well. So, first four years of coaching, not including assistant coach or whatever, but as a head coach, you had to be impressed by Vogel. Even in uh, the 2014 All-Star Game, he was named the NBA All-Star Game head coach. Um, And I know they technically missed the playoffs that year, but... um, I, I just... I messed things up. Never mind. Okay. What... (laughs) Let me get this straight. I meant... I'm so sorry. You you just want to skip over this part. Go ahead, but... I just said the 2014-2015 season, the 2014 All-Star game for the 2013-2014 All-Star game when they went 683. Never mind, the year he made the All-Star game as their head coach, he was like the best, one of the best head coaches that year where they went 683, and I don't blame him. You have a 683 winning percentage, losing the conference finals, you're a pretty good team. So, never mind, they didn't do bad that year you went to the All-Star game. Sorry about that. I So stupid. But anyway... Then after that, ever since, like, he made the all-star game and was just like, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he can get cocky as a coach, but maybe he did. Got off track. And these past four years, he's been sucked. He's been horrible. Uh, you know, technically, once he started really sucking uh, at his job, which was head coach, he had a two-year stint, got fired, two-year stint, got fired. Technically, he had a six, six-year stint in Indiana, but that two-year stint where he's bad, He ended up getting fired after. So maybe it'll be two years in L.A. if he's bad. But I'm shocked Ty Lue didn't come. I know there's the news that he couldn't agree on the contract or whatever. But still, like, the fact that I think this guy thought he had that job locked. And I'd be so mad if I was him right now. And I I don't think LeBron James is thrilled with the signing either. I kind of came out of nowhere, but that's just a little lowdown on him. Not a huge fan of the signing, but I don't hate it either. Could really go either way. Uh, This guy's just all over the map. So, we'll see how it works out. Now we're going to go ahead and go to the Bruins game. Uh, Their Game 1 win, so let's get to that. Alright, so obviously we know the Bruins are playing really good hockey right now, but boy, did Game 1 put a smile on my face. Oh, I knew we could do it, but just the way we did it and the way we fought back without McAvoy, I mean, this has to be one of the most more fun Bruins themes of all time. And, yeah, I get it. We've had some Stanley Cup winners. It's not like we're, you know, I don't know, the Dallas Stars. Or just someone who hasn't had, uh, hasn't had a lot of success. And it's not like, oh, we made a good run. Or, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The Any team, like the Hurricanes, even, on your opposition, that haven't made a great run before. We made a lot of good runs, but... This isn't only a good Bruins team, but they always fight back. And, I, and I'm not going to say they're the most fun to watch of all time. No, 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 they're not. But they're they're up there. They're not top three, but they're, they're up there. Because the way that they just fight back, no matter what. A lot of Bruins teams are very good, but if you throw an obstacle at them, like, oh, a player got hurt or a player got suspended, like McAvoy. They'd get down about that, and they'd just let it bother them, haunt them, and cost them some games and cost them some playoff series and cost them their playoff lives, if you will. Um, something like the Columbus call where the Blue Jackets got that goal in uh, Game 4. Other Bruins teams let that get get them down. But this Bruins team, nothing gets this team down. They'll be down the game without their best defenseman, they'll still fight through. Just so many different possibilities. And they're just fighters. They are. That four four goals in the third period. Uh, you started that game with the Mar- Marcus Johansson has been a fantastic pickup. He had that beautiful assist to start the game. Right away, you're about three minutes in. This playoffs, he's had 12, 12 games played, three goals, four assists, seven points, a plus minus of one. And, sure, you're not, you're sorry sitting here and saying, Aiden, it's not a fantastic, that's a good stat line, but this guy's on, like, the third line, and we basically paid pennies for him. I mean, yeah, we were probably waiting for a little bit of a bigger move, but we basically paid pennies for this guy, and he's giving us seven points, uh, a plus on the plus minus in 12 games. And, he, you know, especially, like, yesterday, he was huge. That was a beautiful pass to Camper. And I, Johansson's a pass-first guy, I know, but he also had a goal yesterday. We'll get to that. And then right after, though, that beautiful play, you get some momentum early, and that was just like, yep, we're carrying right through. Rask lets up that goal. It was a good shot. It was a good tip. Don't get me wrong. So I wasn't. I got a little worried, like, oh, uh, is, you know, maybe this isn't what I thought, because after that goal, I was like, yep, yep, and yep, I knew. I knew I could believe in this team, and I was like, oh. You know, and, you know, I'm not going to get down on myself, but, like, ooh. Or, or right away, like right after the goal, that's what's going to happen. Uh, Aho with the goal. A-H-O. Whatever. Um, we just tipped it in. It was a good goal, but, you know, just like, ooh. You know? But he – Rask played uh, solid. It wasn't his best outing. 31 shots on net 29 saves is definitely something I'll take. Uh, especially without your best defender, and I I, you know, I get Rask has had a lot of better games, but I'll take that. I'll take that from Rask, especially without his best defender. Um, I'll definitely take that. Even with McAvoy, I'll take that, okay? And, you know, maybe some of these games you might need a little better, but for the most part, I'll take that most nights. Uh, it's not going to win you every game, but it'll win you most of them, and that's kind of what you need. You don't need to win every game. You just need to win a majority of them. Um, more than majority but you get my point. But then all of a sudden in the second period comes the Hurricanes take that lead. That goal was uh that goal was questionable uh by Greg McKeg. That's why I call him. Uh it's pronounced differently but I just call him Greg McKeg. Uh but he come he comes driving into the to the net if you will and it trickles by Raskin. Now my question is cuz there wasn't interference, goaltending interference. McKeg did not get in Rask's way. It was just after the play he ran into Rask and the net goes flying. But before he made contact with Rask, the puck went in the net. I think Rask got a little startled with McKeg literally coming, you know, 100 miles per hour at him, and it didn't look like he was going to stop. I think that startled Rask, but technically that's not goaltender interference. So I, I I agree with the call on the the ice. It's a tough one to make because you sit there and say it's pretty close. We didn't call it a goal on the ice, and what if he did get a little startled? But that's the thing. If you got a little startled by McKeg coming at him, then that counts as a goal. You know, if you I think Rask did get a little startled, but if you get a little startled, that's still a goal. It's if you make contact with them. So that's totally legal. I don't think McKeg was trying to startle Rask. He was trying to the who couldn't. Uh, I always say that every time I'm driving to the net. Couldn't really uh, control himself, and then all of a sudden he rammed into Rask. So, I think that was just what happened there. And then the Bruins just kind of got a few nice opportunities. But that second period, this Bruins team goes dull. And I know last night Rask let up the goal, but for the most part, Rask... Not only has he been a great goaltender, he's really stepped in the second period. Because this Bruins team, I mean, as great as they've been, they're not a 60-minute hockey team. They pull great starts, great endings, but that second period is not their period. Uh I believe they are pretty good in the regular season, but this playoffs, I'm talking, they've not been good in the second period. But Rask has. Rask has elevated his game in the second period when you need him to. So not only has he been great in the first and third periods of these playoffs, he's been even better in the second period when the rest of the team has worked. So that's huge. When they really need, really need Rask, that second period, he's really stepped up. I know last night he let up the goal, but one goal, and he's been great all around. And then third period... Um, you started off with the goal by, um, Johansson, who had an incredible game, he had that tip in, and Johansson, for a guy who's passed first, I'll take goals too, I'll take a goal too, he was great in that first game, the goal, the assist, and only two shots, like, I know, you know, it's just one goal, he played really great first game, really did, came up big twice, and I, I, you had a had a really like that um, goal. So I, I just thought, you know, he's really stepped up in a big way. And then after you had the um, goal by Patrice Bergeron, um, and that was a great great play. That was set up by Jake DeBrusque, believe it or not. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, Marchand had the good pass to Bergeron, DeBrusque given. You got a little, was that the goal that you got uh, really, really lucky with the lineman hitting a, uh, was that the goal? There was one goal where you got real, really, really lucky that the, yep, that was the one. So basically, the lineman hit the um puck with the skate and kept it in play. But then DeBrus kept the play alive by diving out on his knees to keep the play alive. And then what do you know? He's still on his knees. The puck comes back to him. He makes a point-to-point cross-ice pass to Brad Marchand on his knees, and Marchand sets up Bergeron for the perfect goal. So it wasn't Bergeron or Marchand who made that play happen. It was Jake DeBrusque, kept the play alive, and then made that pass from his knees. It's very difficult, cross-ice. Really impressed with that. He's he's uh, he's a young stud. I love Jake DeBrusque. And then you had – by then you're up three to two. With 2 minutes 22 seconds, now we know the Bruins had the momentum at that point, had the lead. Why were you pulling your goalie that early, only down by one? That, pulling your goalie never works. Now I I totally get it. Like, you have to do something at that point. You're down by one, you just got to pull your goalie. It's all or nothing, but you don't go all or nothing with 2 minutes, 22 seconds. I'm sorry. You try to generate one more good possession of offense before you totally risk it for the biscuit and do a basically thing that works 1% of the time. I mean, that's just something, it's really risky to do it and almost never works. You don't do it that early. It was a bad coaching decision to, on my part. If I'm the Hurricanes and I, you know, I'm proud of my, uh, you know, coach. I like how my coach is done this season. I don't know who their coach is off the top of my head. I won't lie. I know some of them, but I don't know who theirs is. And I'm just not great with coaches for all the teams, especially the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, but – I checked that off, like, oh, that was not a good decision. Why would you pull your goalie that early? You know why why? I mean, yeah, you had to do it soon. There's no doubt about it. The goalie bully, bully. Goalie had to be pulled very, very soon. I'm not disagreeing with that, but that early, I try to get, I try to, you know, get that one more very good possession on offense. And I know you're probably just saying pull the goalie and add another attacker. But, no, I don't want to risk it that early. I try to get one more, you know, even, you know, attacker uh, possession on off and try to tie the game before I just pretty much. When you pull your goalie, it's not necessarily this, but this is kind of an analogy that somewhat makes sense is you're kind of just blowing everything up and just, you know, when, like, a project goes wrong. And you just kind of blow it up and hope for the best. That's pulling your goalie. The project has gone wrong. The game has gone wrong. You're losing. And you don't have a lot of time left. So you just blow it all up and we're just going to try this. It's not a great chance it'll work. You know, we're just going to blow it up at this point. They did that a little too early. They still had a little time to try to pull it off. But... Anyway, at that point, that goal goes in, it's off and the coach is probably sitting there like, "Yeah, I probably just made a big mistake." And yeah, he he did. He he did. Uh Coil had that goal it just trickled in. It was a, you know, cheap cheap goal by Coyle. And then right after that, you had the Chris Wagner goal who took seven shots last uh, the other night. And he, had, that was a great goal. He he really sold Morazic on that. He sold Morazic with the fake, and then open up the five holes. Beautiful, and I'm not a huge Chris Wagner guy. Like, don't know a whole lot about the guy, but he was, oh, he was phenomenal. So, yeah, that's a little lowdown on the uh, Bruins game. I know I didn't get to do it yesterday because no episode. Sorry about that, but now we are going to get to the uh, Red Sox win today. Okay, so I'm not going to go too too in-depth like I usually do on this game, but... I just want to put out there kind of the main idea. Great comeback uh, game for Porcello. Porcello started out that game. First, first inning, let's have four runs. And at that point, I'm like, great. You know, this is kind of, you know, and this is another, you know, kind of... Maybe we can get a little comeback, but I'm not sure. You know, great. We're going to burn through the bullpen again today. And I, I did believe that. And then we had Moreland at the solo shot. Again, my boy Mitch Moreland. Uh, if you don't know, I I like Mitch Moreland, uh, even though he's you know a, you know a big either strikeout or double or home run guy. So he's kind of like all or nothing. I still like Mitch Moreland. I think he's been good for your team. But anyway, he had that that nice hit, but Porcello really came back, and you destroyed uh in that Felix Hernandez in that third. Inning. All of a sudden, you know, Felix Hernandez coming into that third inning probably saying, all right, I got through two innings, let up a run. I'm not doing my best, but I'm not doing horrible either. And all of a sudden, just the bats go off on him. Uh, Ronius Elias comes in and, you know, walks a few guys, lets up a few hits. And you get, I, I'm surprised you came out of that inning with eight runs. It was a great inning. But I thought that was more of like a six-run inning, personally. I don't know why. But it was still a great inning, that being said. And at that point, I was like, well, the Red Sox proved me wrong again. Nine to four. Porcello just dominated. And then Heath Henry—Brandon Workman, sorry, came in. Workman has been incredible. He—my problem with Workman is the walks. Way too many walks. Besides that, Workman— I saw the stat that, uh, let me see if he continued it, but going into today's game, 38 batters in a row without any hits. Today he let him no hits. He had that one walk, a 4 0 walk, um, right in his first at bat, first batter he faced, 4 0 walk to, I believe it was um, Omar Narv. Omar Nav- Narvis I thought it was Navarez, but maybe this website is spelling it wrong. But I remember, now that I think about it, it was the catcher. He's actually a pretty good hitting catcher, not going to lie. But anyway, who cares? Uh, but the Red Sox now 21-19. and 19, But no. Seriously, Brennan Workman, for a guy like a few years ago, I had no faith in him. I just don't know why I didn't like him. He's come out from like AAA. I didn't really like him. This year, he's been incredible. He has been he's been awesome. Just the walks. That's it. But the thing with him is, all season, let me look at his stats. I'm pretty sure he's let up like two hits all season. Not even lying. Um Let's see, this season, yes, 1.53 ERA. He has two wins, one loss, 17.2 innings, only two hits, three earned runs. So that shows the walks 25 strikeouts, 13 walks. He has a ratio of just under 2 to 1. So he has like a 1.98 to 1 ratio, which is not good. It's just the walks. But overall, he's been incredible. He doesn't let up hits. When only all you let up is walks, if you only let up a walk or two each inning, you're fine. You're not going to let up many runs at all. So I'm fine with the way Brandon worked pitches because I'd rather walk a guy or two and let up no hits than really having the potential to let up a lot of hits because this guy just never lets up hits. It's always a walk or two. A walk or two, you know, isn't going to kill you. If all of a sudden you walk a guy, walk a guy, it's first and second and. Maybe they both steal one base at best, so it's never you're never gonna score. You know, maybe every once in a while he walks a guy, and then there's a hit. That's the best case scenario, like that never happens. So if you're just walking guys and you don't let any hits, you're fine. If you walk one or two guys, you know, each outing and you don't really let up any hits ever. Then that's totally fine. So just the the walks with him, you know, he's been he's been he's really been good this season. Really an underrated piece like him, Marcus Walden. Like don't get me wrong, this bullpen hasn't been great, but it's really stepped up. Guys like Brandon Work and Marcus Walden have stepped up big time, um, and made this bullpen look a little better than it really should be. So that's just kind of a little lowdown on the Red Sox game today and this whole episode. I plan on in tomorrow's episode doing an NFL power rankings episode uh that should be um some fun um i just want to get a little nfl in and i noticed a lot of people doing some power ranking so i'm like i'm gonna do it uh i'll explain the details again calling on the anchor mobile app we haven't had a caller in a while billy has just been crickets lately uh george just called once kind of like charles maybe he'll come back sometime uh, we'll see. Just get the. It's, if you don't know already, get the Anchor mobile app. Type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk. Send it a voice message. Also, go follow my Instagram After the Buzzer Sports Talk. No spaces or underscores or whatever. All lowercase. You'll find it. You know which one it is. Still pretty new. Um, as I say literally every time. But whatever. Who cares. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you next time.